Welcome back to the show, ladies and gentlemen. Episode 17, the Pinch Talk Podcast with Marty and Pat. It's a beautiful day out here. It's actually mad wind, but like it's cold, but it's not super cold and it's not hot at all. Like it's, it's that perfect hoodie weather. Uh, so welcome to the show. Like I said, remember to check out the podcast on Twitter, you know, the podcast account, uh, the Baseball Terms 101 threads uh, that we do. The, I think they actually finished, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but yeah, so check them out if you're a new fan. They'll uh, really help you. Check out Pat's articles. All the links will be down below. Remember that the podcast is available on every platform you could want. And I mentioned my man Pat. He's here with me as always. How you doing, bro? How was your weekend? Uh, my weekend was great. We beat the Tigers, um, as we should have done. But we dropped a game that we shouldn't have dropped. Uh, it was a really interesting series. Um, Jose Ramirez is the... It's a Tiger killer now of just era baseball. Well, him and Nelson Cruz are. And it's like he's Tommy esque right now, the way he twitches the Tigers every time he plays them. Yeah. He smokes like, them, and they know it too. Yeah. Just in context, he had a five extra base hits in one game off of them. Five for five, but all of them extra base hits. <laughs> Two home runs and three doubles. That's fucking and crazy. Then, yeah. This was yeah. in 2017. Yeah, he's the best player on the team. We're going to talk about it, too. Yeah, of course. We could get there. Yes. Um, So, yeah. uh, So, I mean, Pat kind of talked about it, but, like, the postseason picture, uh, just so you guys know, uh, let me actually uh, check out. I mean, the Rays are leading the ALEs by a couple games from the Yankees. Then uh, the Blue Jays are, like, (laughs) they're actually the number eight seed right now. I'm checking out uh, the standings and everything. So you got Rays, Yankees, Blue Jays, everyone else, it doesn't matter. Uh, the AL Central, you got the White Sox, Indians, I mean, uh, the White Sox and Twins, and then the Indians are a couple games back. It's, it's looking like the White Sox are going to take it, although we're probably going to talk about that in more detail coming up soon. Uh, the West is 100% for the A's. The Astros have been really mid this year. Uh, then the National League West, of course, Dodgers, the Padres, everyone else, pretty much it doesn't matter except the Giants if maybe somehow they make the playoffs uh the NL East is a bit of a shit show uh but the uh the Braves the Marlins and the Phillies all have a good chances of making it and we'll be talking about the Mets uh in a later segment uh and the Central is clearly uh the Cubs the Reds are making a push and the Cardinals have a hectic schedule everyone else really I mean the Brewers kind of me so so yeah, uh, that's that, and that kind of lends itself to you know, kind of us going because there's a couple things to talk about here. Of course, uh, we have of course the MVP talk, who the MVPs are going to be because there's um, there's actually a conversation to be had there because the MVP is typically an award that involves a lot of narratives around it. But you know, we're also going to talk about the Mets, as you know, uh, and. Uh, but the first topic uh, that I wanted to throw out there is kind of how, you know, the postseason picture is actually looking and like, because I know, and you and I have talked about this, uh, there's some teams that like they're convincing postseason teams. And then there's some teams that you look at and you go like, oh, like, like there's a big hole right there that I'm not sure how this translates in October. And we talked about this and there's a team that's been that's doing really well in the American League uh that has that type of deal going for both of us doesn't it yes 
and that team is the White Sox. You want to expand on that a little bit because we both had some concerns on them uh, before the season started, but we both thought there was some upside here. It's been pretty much best case scenario, but I still have some questions about the pitching staff, as yeah, I'm sure absolutely. you do as well. So we were, we were both really confident in the position player group, essentially with the players that they signed in the offseason to complement the young guys they have in the lineup. Um, Edward Encarnacion has been in there for most of the year, so, um, but he's still Edward Encarnacion either way. And he's probably going to resign with them anyways, just because he's, he's a mentor. He's going he's to be a huge mentor for all those um, young Afro-Lucino guys in our roster. Yep as he's been to World Series and he's been to playoffs multiple times and he's hit like 400 home runs. So he's definitely good for that team and he can still be productive. Yeah. But the thing is for them, um, can Eloy Jimenez actually play left field is it, or is he a DH? Is Luis Robert going to manage his um, strikeout rate enough to be effective at the plate like he like we all know he can because he still hits the bar hard as crap. And he's still above average player, but a 110 WRC plus from a player, a player with strength and athleticism like him inside the box and on the bases. And plays plus plus defenses in the field is just uncommon. So you really have to maximize him while you have him in order to that full package is, is, is Ronald Acuna with. Um, yeah. Better it's Ronald, yeah, it's Ronald Cunha with um, what's his face, Andrew Jones defense. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, less on base skills too. But. Yeah, exactly. Like, uh, the, like the main concern and that we both had is, is, is that pitching, pitching staff. staff. And Lucas Giolito and maybe a couple of the players. It's not their rotation is shaky. The young guys' peripherals are awful, although their the offense is really saving them right now. They're both in this end. Besides, um, besides the besides the lefty they gave the extension to, and uh, Alex Coloma. Yeah, Garrett Cochet. And Garrett Cochet, I think he's on him. He has a high. He doesn't have good control, even though he he can hit a hundred for a lefty, and he has a wipeout slider. He still might be good, but the reliever is also very volatile too. So his yeah, his volume may may vary year to year, like most relievers will. Yeah, the thing with them is the position player side is there, but yes. and like is there and it's only going to get better. Uh, now, but, you know, to be no, go ahead, go to ahead. be fair, um, excuse me, I didn't mean to interrupt you. They don't have no, Michael Kopech. They don't have Michael Kopech. He opted out, so. I That's mean, true. Probably, That's you true. You know, like, he has ace stuff. Like, he, if he can stay healthy and his changeup look, change look decent when he pitched those, like, four games or whatever, if he can maintain that and also control his fastball, he has ace-type stuff. Like, he, he might be better. He, he's going to be better than Julio if he can use his yeah. whole arsenal, not just be a thrower. Because he's going to hit 103 still, I think. Yeah. So The thing with them is uh, Giolito is an ace. We both agree on it. Kopech has ace, ace stuff, ace potential. Uh, the rest, though, like, and I like Dallas Keiko. I like watching the pitch because his games tend to be entertaining. But 
he's not he, he's nothing more at this point than a good number four and Dylan sees is just like there's such a big discrepancy between uh his whip and his ERA that is just it's awful not awful peripherals man yeah he has terrible he walk he disgusting through. yeah he walked yo he walked um in the in his last outing and I posted that on the on the podcast account too he faced 17 batters walk seven and hit one so over half the batters he faced either walked or hit and I mean he didn't give up a hit but he just could not get guys out and how many runs did he give yeah, up like, yeah go ahead how many runs did he give up zero like what he, the fuck all, yeah, it, 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 it was That's one of the funniest up. pitching lines, dog. It was three innings pitch, three plus, zero hits, zero runs, seven walks, one hit by pitch, and like five strikeouts. It was a, it was a hilarious it was a hilarious line. I think the Reds walked like thirteen times that game, something like that. But anyway, so the pitching staff is in, and the there's some, yeah, the Vado effect. Also, uh, Vado has been looking really good since he got quote unquote vinched. Uh, he's striking on more, but he's also hitting the shit out of the ball, and he's still Joey Votto, and I'd love for him to be good. But anyway, so uh, the White Sox, I mean, position player. Also, one thing that we talked about, uh, they don't have a leadoff guy, and they don't have a true leadoff guy, and I think a lot of people are going to be a little bit disappointed with what they get from Tim Anderson uh, three years down the road. Am I correct with saying that? Um, You're right. I think that uh and you've said this and like i thought it was so like spot on from you uh, we said it, like he has the athleticism to play shortstop but the internal clock is not there like there's like a there, like, like there's something missing watching him play short the the athleticism is there he has the arm uh the agility everything but like there's he, he doesn't feel like a natural at all and and I think he's going to end up having to move off shortstop eventually. They're going to try with him at shortstop, but he's going to have to move. But he's going to he's going to go to center field for sure, absolutely. If they can, if, if I mean, if Grisham probably going to have to slide with the right, and they have another shortstop prospect that just appears out of nowhere for them, like the Padres do. Yeah, I mean, so you get what I was saying with the turn clock, right? Like you see him just yeah, yeah. the way he moves. It, I mean, it works, but because his athleticism is going to break down quick because he just doesn't have the time into where he has to exert himself on every play. Like, Lindor just, I think, his, I don't know how to explain. He has range, but he doesn't have range. Like, yeah. Um, it's like every play, like, looks difficult for some yeah. reason, despite the fact that he's super athletic. Like, when you he's guys, like, look- he's like Derek Jeter if he was a, if he was a super, super athlete. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. Yeah. He has that thing. Like, when you watch Lindor, for, like, you put an example, Lindor, uh, Andrelton Simmons, guys Story. like that. Andrelton yeah, Simmons. Story. Like, they make, like, they make the plays look effortless. Like, even the difficult plays, they look like, oh, like, I'm not surprised he got to that ball. It doesn't look clumsy, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. That that whole deal. Yeah. I think he was, he's yeah. eventually going to have to move, and they're going to have problems because they need a leadoff hitter, and Andrew Vaughn is not that, and they have not drafted yeah. that guy yet, I feel. I think you put Tatis leadoff. Do you? White Sox? No, you're talking about Tatis Jr. Oh, you're not talking about. I was about talking him. about Tim Anderson, bro. I'm talking about Tatis Jr. <laughs> oh shit! I'm just talking about Tatis. I, mean, I don't know why you. 
Usually the same season, player, though. but yeah. I mean, my fault. Yeah. I'm tripping. Um, <laughs> I'm tired, man. It's been a long day. I uh, put it all night on. Uh, oh, shit. No, uh, but like, so, you're right. Yeah, I mean, plus the Buffalo. Tim Adams, absolutely. He's going to go to center field. He's going to be a super utility guy. Because, um, yeah. He's just. He's he, he's like he's like that kid that plays shortstop because he was the most athletic player on the team. Yeah, but you can tell he's not he's, he 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 doesn't have the clock for it. Yeah, and I mean with yeah. Tatis like 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 pretty much we said is the same thing. So I mean Tatis I feel like has a bit more of a shot because yeah. he's more fluid. I think I think, and he's younger. Absolutely. Yeah, he has he has arm slots down better down to to throw that you have to throw from multiple arm slots as a shortstop based on where you're on the field yeah you know what i mean like he has better he has more arm talent in that sense yeah he does i still think that he's eventually gonna have to move off shortstop i mean especially because the dude is so tall yeah he's gonna play center field probably i think later in his career just as just um reserve his body yeah, pretty much. I'd say that. I mean, the White Sox and the Padres—they feel similar in some ways. Now, let's let's put this aside. Uh, the Padres are going to be the number four seed. The White Sox are going to be probably number one seed at this rate. Um, yeah, that uh, so Tampa Bay is ahead of them right now by a game. Are they? Damn, yeah. I didn't know that. Okay, so, so I changed right. my mind. I, I I thought they were like a, a game ahead. Now go ahead, go ahead, because no, yeah, the, the Braves are by game on on um in the standings right now is the Rays versus. Um, let me see if I can find that chart. But I know for a fact, Blue Jays right now the White Sox are matched up with, with the Rays and Blue Jays, and then it's Cleveland versus the White Sox. And then it's Oakland um, and the Astros. And the fucking the twins of the Yankees, dog. Oh, how every year, every year, bro. <laughs> every year, dog. Oh, this is gonna be so good. Escape. I can't wait to. I can't wait to talk they shit to escape. my friends that are twins fans, man. Oh my goodness, this is gonna be glorious. <laughs> yes, this is the, the best news. This is the best news I've gotten all year, bro. Bro, like. <laughs> it, if 2020 me created a time machine and went back in time and told 2018 me that we have a pandemic, but it will cause expanded playoff baseball with you playing the White Sox in the first round and the Twins playing the Yankees in the first round and the Astros playing the Athletics in the first round and the Astros are cheaters and all that other shit, bro. You know how far <laughs> and the Blue Jays playing the race? You know how far? I would say, hell yeah, bro. I got you. I'm going to make sure this happens. <laughs> Make sure the pandemic happens, <laughs> bro. Like, that's funny. Bro, I this is, I mean, they expand the playoff thing. I had my reservation with it, and we talked about it multiple times how it makes teams not want to excel as much. You're gonna cut corners, they're not gonna invest in players as much, yeah, as they should because it just makes owners more complacent by not spending money in playoffs unless. Owners see as a chance to get a World Series and actually give out checks to let teams make better competition, but we'll see. 
there's a lot of young talent coming out right now as well so it make it might make that happen in this era just as a time mechanism they've done to get shit to work so honestly at this point who knows what's gonna happen I think that um I mean, we've talked about the expanded uh, postseason. There's no need to really dwell on it as much. It it promotes mediocrity. That's basically all there is to say. Um, The thing is, the American League, because it's always so top-heavy, the postseason is already pretty much set in stone. Uh, There's not a fucking chance in hell the Mariners are going on a fucking crazy run and knocking off the Blue Jays. There's just no way. And everyone else, no one else is making the postseason. So... The National League is actually more interesting in that regard because while the Dodgers are clearly the best team in the National League and probably the best team in baseball, period. Well, not probably. They are. They just choke in the postseason all the time. But they are the best team in, in, in baseball right now on paper and on the field until October hits. So they're the clear number one seed. And... Uh, the the Cubs are the number two seed. The Braves are the number three seed. That's fine. We've talked about it. The Padres, of course, are locked into the number four seed. And then everything just kind of falls apart. So after that, I'm going to recite all these teams because you got six teams fighting for four uh, spots, pretty much, right? You got the Marlins, who have been much better than uh, we both had anticipated. Uh, the Cardinals the Phillies, the Reds, the Brewers, and the Giants. Now, all these teams are separated by two and a half games. That's six teams separated by two and a half games. Uh, The Marlins are currently the number five spot. Cardinals six, Phillies seven. And then there's three teams. And then the, uh, the Reds, the Brewers, and the Giants are all at 500. And there's barely over a week, like a week basically left in the season. Uh, this is going to be hectic. If you had to pick, like, which two of those six teams a name get left off? Mm. I'm going to say the, the Phillies. And Damn, okay. The Reds. The Phillies, Reds. And, the the Phillies Reds. and the Reds. Yeah. So you're picking the Giants to make the postseason? Oh shit! I forgot about them. No, I don't know. The fuck the Giants? Okay, nah, Giants. Uh, <laughs> Phillies and Giants. Phillies and I Giants. Okay. That. Giants have been so irrelevant since just man. Since since like 2016, yeah. pretty much. They they messed with that rebuild bad by keeping on those players, honestly. Yeah, a little bit. Like they think they're gonna anyway. Um, like they thought the they team, could have had like another wave of new talent come up, I guess, but nah, they bust all that shit. Just, yeah, should have been traded people. Um, I picked the Marlins to be in. Okay. I, I picked the Cardinals to be in somehow. I think they're gonna squeeze into the playoffs, number eight seed, even yeah. though they got a hectic schedule coming up. Um, then I go with Phillies and Reds being in, so I would. I would say the Brewers and the Giants get knocked out because the Giants, because they just don't belong. 
uh, they're playing uh, over the heads, you know, uh, over their heads. My bad. And the Brewers, because they're just not. I mean, the pitching staff is brilliant, and I'm sure they would scare a couple people. But I just don't see it. I think the Reds are more talented, and they've actually started, you know, waking up a little bit in the second half of the season. So I think that as currently constructed, the the postseason standings are fine. Uh, they would involve, as of right now, just so people know, they would involve the Dodgers playing the Reds, the Cubs playing the Phillies, uh, the Braves playing the Cardinals, rematch of last year and that massacre game five, and the Padres playing the Mar uh, the the Marlins. So, I mean, I don't know, like all these teams near five, right? Like pretty much right at five hundred, making it into the postseason does not sit well. Does not sit well with me at all still but i mean shit i guess man uh the one thing uh there is though is because all these teams are so close to each other uh individual players do make a big amount of you know the difference pretty much and this is kind of the segment where you actually get to talk some shit right because it's the, I mean, we, you'll see it in the, in the uh, description with the timestamps and all that. Um, let's talk about some MVPs um, because the MVP award and the Cy Young award, of course, but the Cy Young has less debate to it this year, especially. Um, the MVP is a very narrative centric award. It's typically given, typically goes to good players on good teams and you know, typical players that the media see very often, East Coast uh, players, guys like that. Uh, so let's break it down. So let's go with the American League first. Uh, you want to break because I think there's um, how many candidates? I, I think there's like four or five candidates in the American League. You want to break them down? Yeah, sure. All right. So I'm going to I'm on fire grabs looking at the leaders on what right now. And I'm just going to go based on that order. But it's not going to be in that order based on war. We're going to deep, you know, go into context with you guys a little bit and explain everything when we give our rankings right now. Mm -hmm. um, so right now, Jose Ramirez is leading the American League position player group in the war with 2.8. He's had a he's had 150 runs where he created plus uh, 39, 39.6 weighted on base average. He's batting 284 with a 390 with a 369 on base percentage and a 574 slugging. Um, mm. He's running a walk rate of 11.6% and a K rate of 17.8%, which is a career high for him, but it's still below average. Um, think about I just I just I'm not worried about this. It's a 60 game season. We were 60 games in the season. He was running a K rate that high, but still being still running a 150 weighted 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 plus. I'll be really encouraged. Because when he's really going to get locked in, the K rate's going to drop to 11%, 10. Mm -hmm. So, but it's a 60 game season. So, I'll take it if he's going to still put up what he's, the numbers that we used him putting up. And he also has a 2.6 base running volume. Um, he's eighth in baseball with 15 home runs. He also has 10 stolen bases, and he's only one of two players in. Then will be to have double digit home runs and stolen bases to other service story of the Colorado Rockies. Um, mm -hmm. But I was there, Ramirez, 
Cleveland baseball club would not be in the playoff in the playoff hunt or in the wild card spot in seventh spot. That's that's he's, a fact. He's been their offense. Yes, we he's been the offense for my team, my favorite baseball team. Yes, thirty RBI and thirty nine home run and thirty nine runs scored. He's the best player on the team. Like he, like if if you're talking value, like most value, because a lot of people like to go to that argument. Well, you know, if he's on a losing team or a team that's not that good, then how can he, be, you know, that valuable? Well, first of all, dickhead, uh, this is baseball. One player can only contribute so much. He can only take at at most one ninth of the plate appearances. Uh, so keep that guess, in mind. I got a I got a fact for you too. Yeah, go ahead. Jose Ramirez scores one more run, and it's two more RBIs. Him and Mike Trout are going to be the only players in baseball with 40 runs of 40 RBI. Well, only players in AL with 40 runs of 40 RBIs. That's elite. That's pretty elite. He has, he has a higher award than Mike Trout right now. And everybody yeah. else in the AL. He's going at pretty much seven plus war pace, eight ish yes. war pace. And he's had a 7.5 season, 7.9. Y'all people need to stop playing with Jose Ramirez, man. man. For real, man. Stop playing with dude, man. That like, boy's a beast. He's a beast. Yeah, just because he's not bilingual and he don't look like a mega fucking athlete. And cut that shit out, man. The man is the best player on on that team. He's a legitimate MVP player. Don't play with like don't play with the man's name, bro. Like like people just gotta like, they gotta start giving people credit, man. And I feel like um. Yeah, and I feel like uh, Tim Anderson is going to win that award unless he falls off a cliff in this final week, uh, just based off narrative. And he's played very well, but just off narrative. And I think he's going to win that one. Yeah, and I don't think he should, but I think he should be in top three or top four at the least. Yeah, he's had a good year. But um, yeah, I'm a huge Tim Anderson fan, by the way. Um, I did an article on him back baseball players, back baseball players need to know. Yeah. Um, I broke down what I liked about him his whole career and how improbable base, his baseball superstar is. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll, we'll break down Tim Anderson. If you want to break him down now, we can talk about his AL MVP picture and kind of okay. give our so, concerns and stuff like that. So the thing with him, and we kind of talked about his defensive concerns earlier in, uh, in the podcast, you know, that lack of an internal clock. He doesn't have that. He's a good athlete. Um, great athlete excellent top he's a 70 great athlete yeah yeah that's a fact like good pretty much uh sells some charge uh so here's the thing with tim anderson so tim anderson is a shortstop of course that's a pretty valuable defensive position i would say um but he doesn't really play shortstop very well now you can be a valuable player and don't play and not play a good shortstop as Derek jeter has showed over and over again. Um, but especially when you're the type of hitter that Tim Anderson is, uh, your value can be can really vary from year to year. Because let's put it like this, people. Tim Anderson is a hitter who doesn't have good play discipline. He swings at a lot. He swings a lot, period. He swings at a lot of bad pitches. Uh, he makes contact, though, and he makes hard contact. But he also strikes out quite a bit. He doesn't take his walks. He's he's more of your typical high batting average, uh, mediocre on base percentage guy. Uh, the jump in terms of you know hitting the ball with authority and slugging a lot, that's good for him. 
uh but but the approach is very luck centric and i mean when you combine that with the fact that he's not oh you know that good of a defensive shortstop and i don't know what his base running value is looking like but it can't be like super elite. 0.8 yeah that's not that's not very good that's above average but you know uh so i mean the argument for him to win it is that he's been arg- one of the two best players uh, on the be- on one of the best teams in baseball. And not just that, there's also narrative there because um, baseball desperately wants to attract uh, younger fans. And Tim Anderson plays the game with that flair and that personality and that, and that attitude that baseball really needs. And, I, and, and y'all know we both applaud him for that. And we fuck with him. But if he wins the MVP, let's just be real, it'll be narrative-based. Uh, they'll pretty much give him the MVP as a sign of, okay, this guy's a star. And y'all better pay attention to him, right? Because, yeah. I mean, Rendon, Anthony Rendon, Mike Trout, Jose Ramirez, Jose, uh, Jose Abreu, his own teammate, they all have cases that are just as good as his. So. Absolutely. And another Easy thing. He's LeMayu, too. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I forgot about DJ. Cruz. I forgot. Oh yeah. Uh, so and Lou Voigt might steal a lot of um, votes as well because he has twenty-one home runs, bro. Yeah. Holy shit. Twenty-one. Oh goddamn. Um. So. But I mean, I'd say that Nelson Cruz because he's a DH. He's probably like a like a second tier candidate for the AL. Yeah. And, same with same with Luke Voigt because he's a first baseman, but. The yeah, he's a butcher. Gonna, he's first gonna, base. Gonna, yeah, he is. The 21 home runs is going to get him some, some votes. Yeah. And Lindor is going to get votes just just off of his name. Yeah. Uh, and you know, who has, you know who's 12th in the war amongst AL position players? Who? Alex Verdugo. He's been good. I told people. I told people. Yeah, to like get... people think he's been awful. That was, I mean, he, but he's that, not he should have got, got a lot more from Mookie, but I mean, him. Him and Jeter Downs and, and Connor Wong is, is a pretty good deal for him. He's good, man. He's for, good. For a year of Mookie. Yeah, he's, Verdugo is really good. He just has some personal issues that we've talked about off air. Doesn't he have a, doesn't he have a positive uh, defensive value and he's a corner outfielder? Yeah, he has a 2.8, but he's he could play center field. He plays mostly right, though, but... He, he could play... He's like George Springer. He'll... If George Springer okay. plays 140 games, he, he would do like 80 and I mean 150 yeah. games, he would do like 80 in center, 70 in right field or something like that. Yeah, that makes sense. You know, like okay, how George so, Springer does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's going to be him. And just yeah, defensively, how they how they rotate him between right and left, right and center. He's a better defender too than Springer, so. Yeah, he is. But he's um, a good player. Really good on. Um, Lindor is 13th in the war, but um. Usually, man, he was six, and he's going to get some votes because he's on the Yankees. He has a better um, case Jose, than last year. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Jose Abreu has been squirting the ball this year. Just, just he's been destroying the ball. And this is what he, what he can do. He's done this before. He was like third or fourth or second or something in his rookie year, wasn't he? I don't know, but I know he's been really good for a very long time. Yeah, Anthony yeah. Rendon is amazing. Insane. Insane. 60% walk rate and 12% K rate, bro. 277, <laughs> 416, 503, with a 39, 6 weighted on base average for 156 
and he's still putting up a 3.2 volume defense and he's running a positive base running volume. Best best third baseman in baseball. Aside from Remy Death. Jose uh, Jose Braves running a ninety two point five exit velocity for average. <laughs> and Anthony Rendon has a ninety. Mike Trout has a ninety thirty, bro. What does this man eat? Tiesca Hernandez has a ninety thirty G. This, this Tiesca Hernandez has been destroying the mess up the ball. Yeah. Um Tiesca So if you had to vote, uh like not to cut you off, like if if you had to vote right now and be like be sure that while Pat is a huge fan, uh he is objective. So if you had to vote right now, like give me like top three MVP, AL MVP vote, MVP vote. Uh, Jose Ramirez, Jose yeah, Brady. Right? Um Tim Anderson. Okay. I got Jose Ramirez one, Rendon two. Jose Abreu three. I think, I think we're, we're this this. I think what's gonna happen is they're gonna put they're gonna. I think they're gonna put if they don't make one of the White Sox players first and Jose Ramirez like scorches his whole weekend next week. Last week's of baseball like he's been doing on at the space he's at. He might just win the whole thing. But mm-hmm. if they do that, then I think Jose Abreu and Tim Anderson could be back to back right behind each other and one one and the other and two and three. They might and share the MVP. There might be a tie. That 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 could that could happen. That could be interesting. So yeah. Um. But so that's yeah, the Mike Trout is going to be top five too, and yeah, DJ LeMahieu and Anthony Rendon. It's going to be those. That's going to be the top seven, I think. Also, that's and also is going to be in there too. You go ahead. Uh, it's so Cruz impressive. Is. It's so impressive. Like sorry to cut you off. Like so, it, it's so impressive. That the Angels have two of the five best players in the American League, and they're so ass. Go ahead. Yeah, like their pitching staff is just awful. Um, they don't. Their peripheral players. Are, I mean, I don't. I can't blame the peripheral players because they they usually have a pretty good supporting cast. Don't, I mean, they have some like Andrelton Simmons, Cole Calhoun, but he's gone. Um, they still got David Fletcher and Tommy Lestella. Does they trade? They trade Fletcher, right? They traded Fletcher? Didn't they trade David Fletcher? I don't think they Hell did. No. Not that what I not that I remember. No, he's still a player for them. Okay, I'm sure. Yeah, it makes sense. So I think that makes sense, like to end the conversation. Like that's pretty much the AL picture. Uh there's very like heavy narratives going on. Uh but Jose Ramirez, if he if he keeps playing like this, he should win it. Um Will he win it though? We don't know. Uh, so moving on to the National League MVP. Now this one is very interesting because three, uh, two, three weeks ago, it was it was unanimous. Fernando Tatis Jr. He's the future. He's the best player in baseball. He's going to win MVP. He's going to win every award. He's going to win 300 World Series. He's the greatest player to ever touch a baseball. He slumped recently, which, by the way, every baseball player does. And it means now that the MVP race is actually very interesting because there is, realistically, I'd say there are five candidates. There's Tatis, of course. There's Freddie Freeman. 
and then the oh my god i forgot jesus like i just had like i just had like a brain freeze i forgot the fucking candidates um tatis freeman machado yes Mookie. machado machado Mookie, and trevor story i think yep. are the five yep. candidates yep. okay god damn i'll <laughs> i'm sorry for i tried to give you some time bro like yeah, <laughs> I, could, I could, I could, I could tell you like you, you were, you were right there, like you, you, you yeah. knew but you didn't know. Yeah, that's fact. That's fact. Um, and the National League MVP race is really interesting. Um, you got a case, like you want to make a case for one of the four? Um, I'll do Manny. No, I'll yeah, I'll do Manny Machado. Okay. I'll pick, I'll pick Manny Machado because Freddie Freeman is too easy. So Manny Machado right now is running a 314 average, 376 on base percentage, a 604 slugging for 155. WRC plus, he's having an average exit velocity at 90 miles per hour, which is great. His base running value is a negative, but it's only see games and I'll give him a fast on that. He has 16 home runs at 42 RBI. With 40, 42 runs at 46 RBI. Dang. He's using nationally to put up numbers. But um, Manny Machado has always been a great player. Like He's literally on the fall of a Hall of Fame track. He is. You agree? Yeah, 120%. You think he's on the Hall of Fame track? If he, like, he had a little blimp on the radar last year. That was, you know, he had a bad year last year. But, like, realistically speaking, when you look at what he's done up to now and the fact that he has a chance to age gracefully, probably, though, yeah, he's Hall of Fame. He's he's, he's on the road to the Hall of Fame. Whether he gets there, yeah. we'll see, but he's, he's on the road. He's really durable, too, because he's always been durable. Like, he played 162 games one year. Yeah. Latino players, typically, they play unless they literally can't walk, so. Yeah. And his glove is really amazing too. He's still he's running a three point two defensive value as well. So he has two point seven WAR, which is but while Freddie Freeman and Tatis Jr. sing at two point nine. And Mookie is right below that then at two point six and Trevor Sawyer is at two point four. So who would you pick for your case? Okay, so my case, I mean again, this is very much narrative based. Uh I got to imagine that MLB and really the people around the game are dying for Tatis to go crazy this final week so they can justify giving it to him, yes. you know, to kind of to kind of promote the changing of the guard. And I wouldn't be mad at that, but being real, I'd love to say Trevor's story because he's he's literally been the only good thing about the Rockies, like on a large scale from the position player side. Actually, here's a stat for you. And you're probably not going to believe this. Um, this is this is not counting uh, yesterday's game, by the way, where they beat the Dodgers. But the point still stands, right? So, all right, so check this out. So, since August 9th, uh, all Rockies position players and pitchers, everyone of the Rockies, has accumulated 1.3 F WAR. Right? Uh huh. You heard that right. No, no, repeat that. No, bro. You lying, bro. Since August 9th, 
Everyone on the Rockies, position players and pitchers, have accumulated 1.3 F4. That's second worst in baseball, by the way. Only ahead of the Rangers and well behind other teams that are shamelessly rebuilding. But that's not the wild shit. That's a month and two weeks. Yeah, that's a month and two weeks. 1.3 F4 as a team. But here's the wild shit. In that same time frame, Trevor Story has accumulated 1.7 F4. In other words, ladies and gentlemen, every single Rockies player not named Trevor Story since August 9th has combined for minus 0.4 F4. This is not a joke. I'm not making it up. If you want to go by valuable, Trevor Story is your pick. But being real... That's fucking insane. And I'm actually going to get mad again, so I'm not going to say that. So I'm not going to continue. But honestly, like I said, MLB probably wants Tatis to get hot, fucking destroy the ball, find a week, and you know they can give it to him. But realistically, I think this has to be... And there's still a week to go, of course. But realistically, Mookie has been great, and he's been consistently great. And he, probably, he definitely has a case to be, uh, in my opinion, top three. I think Machado is going to be hurt by the fact that he plays on the same team as Tatis and he doesn't really like excel in like one particular category when compared to all to you know the other four main uh candidates. It might I, be think Mookie. That, I think it has to be Freddie Freeman, dog. Like if there's a year for him to win it, it's this one. He's he's been yeah, statistically he's been the best player in baseball. Offensive, just offensive from offensive. I think, standpoint. I I just think that like he. So I read an article on Montgomery's, and he's he's hit a three hundred WRC plus span for for one two weeks three times in his career. No, like and he, and they say he regularly runs two hundred WRC plus two week spans. Like Freddie Freeman is really unappreciated amongst baseball in yeah. general. You know, like. Manager, he's another he's guy a, who's in the Hall of Fame track too. He's a hitting savant. That's the only way to put it. He's a hitting savant. Yeah. Like, if there's any year where he's going to win it, then this is the year. He's gone Absolutely. crazy this year. He's gone he's crazy. Tor- he's been torching the MOBs. Torching. Just everybody, yeah. man. And let's not forget, the man had corona. Yes. And he missed a couple games early on. And he said he felt weak. And, and he played with corona. And he played with the after effects of that shit, bro. Yeah, and he's been like, yeah, you right. know his body probably doesn't even feel right all the way right right now. Yeah, and look what he's doing. Being real, I think this is Freddie Freeman's award to win. The I narrative agree. says Tatis, and I would not be upset. Let's be real here. We both said it I depends on who's on the committee though, too, or who's yeah. if, it's, if it's younger, if it's younger voters and. It should be fine, but a lot of the older voters are going to go for. Yeah, they're going to go for the narrative. Yeah, but I mean, let's be real. I I would not be mad if Tatis and Tim Anderson won MVP awards. They both have great years. Yes, they both have great. The 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 thing about sixty game is is just hard to you want to say, but you got one hundred sixty two games in a season. See how far these guys are going to go. Yeah, because people can get hot just, for six games. Logic, so. yeah, exactly. You can put up point four war in six games. You hit like 
home runs each game or some shit like that. Yeah. So that's pretty much it. Like for me, it has to be Freddie Freeman, dog, because I would love to say Juan Soto, but he hasn't played enough to me. And he's been really bad defensively this year for some reason. But I mean, he's still Ted Williams Jr. So, yeah, uh, yeah it, it has to be Freddie. Um, I agree. And that's pretty much everything I got. Uh, I will say, though, that it's going to help Tatis. The fact that the Padres are such a meat, uh, like they're such a popular team and they're such like they make so many headlines. That's going to help Tatis. Um, I got a counter to that, though. Yeah, go ahead. What if they go with Mookie since he's the best player on the best team in baseball? He's in LA to sign the big money contract. You don't think that that's would fair. steal some weights, steal some votes? I mean, that's a fair argument, actually. Like, I hadn't considered that, but. I think that think about it. Mookie will be the second player in baseball to win MVP award in both leagues. Who was the other player? Frank Robertson. They're both black players. Think about what's happening right now. They will be doing some corny shit like that. And that would be the reason <laughs> why those doors would have not. Yeah. That's and I think the MVP award is aimed at Frank Robertson too, and Frank Robertson just passed away. That's actually a fucking good point. Because they might go for some corny shit. That's a good point. I didn't even notice that. I think I think the reason I, I didn't I didn't consider Mookie on the same level as Freeman and Tatis. Not like he's a better player than both, but I don't know. Like I think it's pretty much because he's been so steady throughout the year. Like he's been consistently great. Whereas Tatis was like lighting the world on fire for a span and then has been less which is okay and and freddie freeman has been has been on fire since day one like i think voters are like they can be easily impressed by these stretches of of monumental performance rather than steady 150 you know wrc plus performance and you know that kind of deal but i do think the that uh the argument of uh giving mvps to two black players just just you know as virtual signaling pretty much uh i do think that's some shit mlb would 100 percent pull so i would not be surprised <laughs> yeah, yeah absolutely um they would do something like that yeah they would do some corny shit um i'll i mean i hope they don't because that would be a dumb reason to give someone an mvp if you think he deserves it then fine but come on man like <laughs> Don't go for no, don't go for no corny shit. Um, so yeah, that's pretty much it. I don't think there's anything else on on MVP talk really. It's just narrative phase. I think we can move on to the, uh, what I would like to call the main event. Um, this news, folks. See, uh, the New York Mets, in case y'all didn't know, uh, they've forever been run, uh, been run by clowns, right? And there's been rumors around the Mets of, you know, Mets ownership selling the team and um, for a very long time, pretty much since 2011, 2010, somewhere around that. Now, if I'm not mistaken, Pat, and I think you got the scoop on this one, uh, Pat Rosenthal, I think, has the scoop. Um, so uh, can you give us like some actual news on what uh, on what the sale of the Mets is looking like because they're not clowning them. 
So, um, Steve Cohen uh, is a billionaire. He bought the Mets. He's a hedge funder. He made a lot of money. A lot, a lot of money. He grew up in New York as a Mets fan. I think he, he paid $4 million, which $4 is the largest sale in MLB history. $4 billion, I mean, I'm tripping. Damn, four billion. Four billion, bro. It's the biggest sale in MLB history. Four doesn't surprise me. Four billion is pretty fucking crazy. No, it wasn't four billion. It was two point two four, two point two four two billion. I'm sure. So, um, so Cohen was a minority order team already. He had like eight percent, mm-hmm. and he's just shooting ninety five percent ownership of the team, increasing his stake from eight percent. Yeah, and um, so the Wilpons bought the Mets in two thousand two for three hundred ninety one million, and they're getting two point four two billion for them. And they're going to need that to pay some debts. Yeah, and it's also <laughs> most profitable in terms of total dollar amount. Yeah, and see the Mets, um, they're a New York team. Um, that by default means they're a valuable team correct i mean yes like there's just la team new york team automatically valuable franchise so let's actually and and i've actually taken the liberty of going ahead you know and doing sort of a bio in terms of the wilpons and the mets and what the mets have looked like since the wilpons became majority owners as pat said in 2002 uh do you mind if i go ahead pat no go ahead all right, so uh, this is story time, folks. So pay attention, you know, sit down and actually listen to me clown the Mets. Um, so the Wilpons became majority owners. Okay, so actually, let's set the stage. The New York Mets have won two World Series, 1969 and 1986. And in 2000, they went to the World Series. They lost in two, in 99. They went to the NLCS. They lost. So they were coming off, you know, pretty strong uh, playoff success although they were pretty mediocre in 2001 so the Wilpons who had been involved with the Mets as part owners for a couple decades they finally became majority owners in 2002 and in 2002 the Mets as you know result of the Wilpons becoming majority owners they jumped the shark um so let's let's go ahead and do this starting in 2002 the Mets were terrible all the way until 2006 so that's 02, 03, 04, 05 terrible really bad teams and then in uh, 06 they actually had a really strong season 97 wins and they lose and they lose in the NLCS 4-3 against the Cardinals team that would go on to win the World Series that year. Um, Mets fans will all will forever remember this and they will forever dread the moment of Carlos Beltran getting caught looking against Adam Wainwright. We all know what we're talking about. So that's already one failure. Uh, then the following year, of course, now peep this the following year 07 the Mets spent 159 days in first place in the NL East 
only to lose five straight games at the end of September and not make the postseason. So that's already failure number two. In 08, they had a pretty strong season, 80-some wins. I feel, I feel like they almost reached 90, if I'm not mistaken. But they could match the Phillies. They couldn't get to the playoffs. It's whatever. That's failure number three, though. For a New York team, that's, you know, can't tolerate that. And then we start getting into the really bad years. Uh, from 2009 to 2015, well, until 2015, that is, five, that is six, five straight seasons of less than 80 wins. And part of this is only compounded by the fact that attendance falls off a, off a cliff. Uh, so in, 20, in 2015, they, out of nowhere, with new pieces to the core, they go all the way to the World Series. They take an L and five games to the fucking Royals somehow. Um, then the following year, they have a pretty strong year. They go to the wildcard game and they get smoked by the Giants and postseason Mattis a uh, bum gunner. He throws a complete game. Shuts them out. And after that, the wheels just fall off. They were terrible again in 2017, 2018. Then last year, they just kept tripping over themselves, failed to make the postseason, despite being way more talented than the Brewers who made it in, for example. And this year, it's been yet another clown show because even with a 16-team postseason, the Mets are not going to make it in. It's going to take an unbelievable run from them and an unbelievable amount of collapse from other teams ahead of them for them to have a shot. So, let's go look at the final scores, people. Since 2002, that's 19 seasons. 12 of those 19 have been losing years. Not bad. They've won two division titles in, 90, in 19 years. Made the playoffs three times. They've won three playoff series in 19 years. Now, this is another fun one. They've had eight managers, Pat, in 19 years. Eight in 19 years. How does that sound? Mediocre. Facts. And that's what they've been. And now we, yeah, exactly. And now we get into the stories. Because there are a lot of fucking stories about the Wilpons and how they run the team. In general, let's define the Wilpons ownership as way too hands-on, meddling, incompetent, and generally they, the Wilpons have been people who tend to think that they're baseball gurus and they actually really know what they're doing. Knowledgeable. Yeah, exactly. They don't know what the fuck they're doing, but they think they know. There's stories about Fred Wilpon. This is not a joke. There's stories about Fred Wilpon, the owner, watching pitchers during bullpen sessions and openly giving their, you know, his opinion as to what he's doing right, what the pitcher's doing right, and what they're doing wrong. The Wilpons used to decide which minor league affiliate would host injured players' rehabilitation assignments. The Wilpons also wanted to be informed of every single roster move down to rookie ball. In other words, folks, the, the Wilpons wanted a hand in everything that was going on with the team. And when you get meddlesome ownership that doesn't really know what the fuck it's doing, what you get is a team like the Mets. Pure mediocrity. My, franchise, pure mediocrity. my franchise will never. 
Yeah, they better never. Um, the team is said like this is this is another thing. The team, the Mets, are said to change philosophies on how they spend, on how they build their team from year to year, even month to month. There's actually a quote from an employee that said that that Fred Wilpon once told him in January that okay, you guys have this much money to spend. I've made up my mind, and the and the employee was like, "Oh, that's cool. You could have told us this shit in December when all the free agents were available, dickhead." Right? That type of shit. Um, but how does everything fall apart, right? For the Wilpons? Because despite the fact, like, you can be an incompetent owner and still make money on a baseball team, right? There's really no problem with that. The problem yeah, is the Wilpons. Yep. The Wilpons, the problem is they were involved heavily in the 2008 economic crisis. Now, if you were around back then, and like paying attention y'all will probably remember remember a name called bernard madoff he was an investor who ended up you know turned out that he was on some heavy fraud shit and the Wilpons had invested real heavy on him and all that turned out to be fraudulent money and they lost hundreds of millions of dollars they actually got sued for a billion dollars by some people um there's reports that the Mets have been losing more than 50 million dollars per year since like 2017 2016 and the Mets are at the limit of the debt allowed by MLB so they've been looking to sell the team since pretty much 2010 2011 the problem is they want control of the team still in some ways while they sell it like with so, the scouting department on it or front office I'm, pr- I'm pretty sure they still want some say into how the team is run and that's how you get to the point that we got now the Mets are finally sold the Wilpons will f- probably be set aside and the 5% owners but they're not going to have any say now anything goes Steve Cohen has full control and he has the most money than he will be owning out by far that's a good thing. And it's worth 14 and, billion. God damn. That's quite a bit of money. Like, um like there were there was some MLB owners have reservations about how he's gonna spend on the market because he's gonna really take everybody. Yeah, like he's basically gonna be handing out But he also he also has some hands in the uh, economic crash too. Um so he has a record and that and people are talking about it. they're still not gonna um they're still gonna prove just because there's so much money moving they need that advertisement yeah so basically the Mets got themselves a mega billionaire owner who's probably willing to spend a lot of money on the team Francisco Lindor is gonna be a New York Met that's, that's depressing him or Trevor Story one of the two I mean it's good for Mets fans because hopefully they can stop you know wanting to kill themselves every single game they watch uh (laughs) basically oh my god um when you said the rockies were the mess if the mets had stumbled upon an elite third baseman shortstop duo that was so accurate well now hopefully the mets are going to be less of a laughing stop because 
imagine the little brother syndrome Mets fans have. Oh my goodness, that's that's awful, bro. Just just wait, just imagine how Mets fans are gonna talk so much to the Yankees fans if the Mets ever win a World Series before the Yankees do. Yeah. Since the last one there is, or the Mets beat the Yankees in the World Series, or some crazy shit like that. If the Mets beat the Yankees in the World Series, New York City will collapse. That would be amazing. That would be so amazing. <laughs> uh, just, just imagine Twitter, man. Twitter would be a bloodbath. Yeah, if that happens, I'm pretty sure every single Yankees fan will say, no, I've had enough. This team has fell enough over the years because they only won 98 games and made it to the World Series. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think that uh, that, co- that kind of covers the whole Mets story, really, folks. Um, it's just... It's a very interesting franchise, very incompetent franchise. Hopefully, Mets fans can sleep a bit easier at night. You all have a billionaire owner that's going to spend a whole bunch of fucking money on the team and probably get y'all to be at least competitive. Now, will he throw the future away for the sake of being competitive in two years? Who knows? But at least they have something to look forward to. So I think that was pretty much everything.